Hello everyone, I'm your host Jacob Thomas, and this is The History Book. Today on the show we'll be talking about a deadly disease, early American vampires, and the death of an American poet. So pull up a chair, and let's get into the story of The Life and Death of Edgar Allan Poe. Hello everyone, and welcome to the show today. As the introduction said, we are discussing the life and death of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, now, most podcasts, you would generally expect to give sort of an overview of Poe's life, how he died, but I'm going to give it a little bit of a different focus uh, to something that most wouldn't really think of, and that is a disease that plagued Poe's entire life, along with many others, and that is tuberculosis. To start off, I'll give you a brief overview of Poe's life up to his disappearance and death, Uh so, to start, Edgar Poe was born January 19th, 1809 to Elizabeth Arnold Hopkins Poe and David Poe Jr. His father left about a year after he was born. His mother died the very next year to tuberculosis. It's also believed that his father may have died of tuberculosis as well. After both parents were gone, he was taken in by John Allen, a wealthy big benefactor uh, who was friends with his mother Elizabeth giving Edgar Poe his middle name. Despite this seemingly close relationship, Edgar taking on Alan's name, Poe's adoptive father was very harsh to Edgar. His foster father inherited $17 million and moved the family to England and then back to the United States to Richmond, Virginia. Edgar decided to attend, to attend school at the University of Virginia. He got engaged, but the woman's family was against the engagement, breaking said engagement. Poe began a lifelong alcoholism battle and got into serious gambling debts and was forced to leave school. During this time, Edgar begged his foster father for money to help him continue school and pay his debts, but his father refused. Poe decided to enter the military under a false name and publishes his first book, but it receives no critical acclaim and doesn't do very well. Poe does do very well in the military, for almost two years, and even goes down to South Carolina for a period of time, uh, gets moved around, and in 1829 he writes his second book, which had some minor success. He then decided to join the West Point Military Academy, but in order to do so, had to reveal that he had signed up under a fake name, since he was under age 18 and needed to be 21. So, in order to join the academy, he had to receive permission from his foster father, who was his legal guardian, who ignores Edgar's pleas for a long time, even to the extent that during this time period, Edgar's foster mother, uh, who Edgar was very close to, passed away, pass away as well, again to tuberculosis. John Allen eventually relented and does give Edgar permission to join West Point. Now, while at West Point, Poe wrote his third book of poetry, which was funded entirely by his fellow candidates. Poe once again was forced to leave school after his brother, whom he was very close to, died. Poe then moved to Baltimore with his aunt and his cousin. Now, there, during this time, Poe began to focus earnestly on his writing career, and as well as courting an older woman in the city. He would write letters and have his cousin take them to her. Uh, his cousin was seven at the time when Poe moved into Baltimore. Now, over the next few years, Poe 
stops writing letters to this woman that he's courting in Baltimore, and the letters sort of transition to being to his cousin. Uh, yes, this is his first cousin, and she was 13 at the time when Poe goes to attend, obtain a license in order to marry her. Uh, her name was Virginia. They are married for 11 years, but in January 1842, she began to show symptoms of a disease that, as we've seen, has haunted Poe all of his life, tuberculosis. During this time, Poe wrote his first famous poem, The Raven, uh, which is really his biz biggest success uh, and makes him the most money out of anything he writes. Unfortunately, he sold it for $9, so even in that time, $9 really wasn't enough. He also began to drink even more under the stress of his wife's sickness, and it's rumored that he may have had other affairs with her, although his wife, Virginia, seems to be uh, okay with it. Uh, there's points where they, they basically, uh, these rumors are being brought up, and Poe's not really denying them, and his wife just doesn't say anything. Some, somewhat, uh, uh, any of the letters that she writes to Poe during his time and brings up the rumors, she doesn't really condemn him so much as, uh, uh, not encourage, but just allows it to happen. Now, it goes about to mention that Poe had an extremely low tolerance for alcohol, uh, even with his alcoholism. Uh, he really, it was, uh, the rumor was that he could only have one glass of wine and then he would be completely inebriated. And he would uh, uh, battle this throughout his entire life. Now, right now, we are going to take a quick break before we jump into the effect of tuberculosis in the 1800s United States, uh, all across the world, and of course, how it's impacted Edgar Allan Poe's life and his writing. Hello everyone, this is Jacob, the host of The History Book, here to remind you that you can find The History Book on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as on our website, www.thehistorybook20.wixsite.com backslash thehistorybook. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to that so short social media break. Uh, the podcast is ever-changing. There's always new social media going up, or... Uh, new ways to stay in contact with me and I really appreciate getting to hang out and be in contact with a lot of you especially over Twitter uh, because you can find me my own personal account on Twitter uh, and I do love getting to talk history with everybody I can now as I was saying before the break tuberculosis does play a major effect across the United States and the world as a whole the disease may have emerged in human beings in Africa around 70,000 to 100,000 years ago now, we're going to take a big jump in time as tuberculosis has a long history throughout the world, uh, but really for our purposes, uh, we really just want to get to some of the really uh, key things in here. So, uh, jumping from 70,000 years ago to the Middle Ages, uh, the disease is referred to as Scrofula, uh, King's Evil, and King's Touch, due to a commonly held belief that TB, another name for tuberculosis, could be cured by the touch of a king. Uh, this is really common in France, from what I've seen. Now, by the 1600s, the disease becomes an epidemic, spreading across Europe and claiming one in five in London. 
this is also when it becomes uh when it kind of gets its more uh i guess popular name of the white plague of europe now well into the 20th century the disease continues to spread especially across the united states leading to the creation of things that you may have heard of known as sanatoriums to sort of add to some of the halloween flavor that i've sort of decided on for this month's episodes uh Death and tuberculosis lead to an episode in eight, known as the Mercy Brown Vampire Incident. Now, uh, I will use the term vampire. However, during this incident, they never use the term vampire. This is just what it becomes known as. Now, this incident occurs in Exeter, Rhode Island, when George Brown's wife, Mary Eliza, passes away from a mysterious disease. Uh, it's tuberculosis. She was followed by her eldest daughter, Mary Olive, and then Mercy Brown. Soon, Edwin, son of George Brown and the uh, sibling to Mercy and Mary, contracts the disease. Many of George's neighbors at this point uh, start to grow suspicious that most of his family members are contracting the disease. And they believe that one of the dead family members has become a vampire who is still attacking Edwin beyond the grave. Although, the, like I said before, this isn't a term they would have used of vampire. The members of the town believe that if they were able to exhume the bodies of the family members that had died and they did not show enough decomposition, that member was the attacker. George, eventually, after a little bit convincing, does give permission to exhume the bodies of his family and uh, they slowly begin to exhume uh, his wife, his oldest daughter, and then finally they arrive at Mercy, who was found to not have decomposed uh, to the extent of which she should have and still had blood in her heart. Now, just as an aside to make this perfectly clear, Mercy hadn't decomposed to the extent she should have uh, because uh, she was reportedly kept in a freezer uh, prior to being buried and sort of sustained her for a while. Uh, now, as a to get back to the story, as superstition said, Mercy's heart and liver were to be burned and the ashes were mixed with water into a tonic and they were given to Edwin to drink as a cure. Edwin dies two months later after taking this supposed cure. Now, these superstitions and incidents played to the legacy of tuberculosis and create the dark and deep-held fear of the disease, a fear that Edgar Allan Poe dealt with in his stories. Uh, you'll notice that I purposely didn't mention what year this happens. Uh, just to sort of jump to the end of the episode, Edgar Allan Poe dies in 1849. This episode with Mercy Brown and the Vampire Scare happens in 1892. So these beliefs in superstition and... You know, really the, the sort of fog that gathers around such a deadly disease are still very much being held during Poe's time. Now, at that time, when Poe was alive, the disease is referred to as consumption due to how the person seems to sort of be consumed uh, uh, by the disease itself. Now, Poe's life was clearly greatly defined by the disease. His mother, possibly his father... His foster mother and even his wife all succumbed to disease. And many believe that Poe's dark and depressing sort of writing come about from the dealing with the disease. And it's clear that in his later writings when he's, uh, such as in The Raving, in The Raven, 
when Poe is writing about a young woman who has died way too young, uh, it's very much uh, writing about his wife who has succumbed to tuberculosis. Now, if you stay tuned after this quick break, we will get into Edgar Allan Poe's mysterious death. Welcome back, and thank you for staying with us through that short ad break. Uh, we got to pay for the show somehow, and this helps pay the bills. Now, Poe was consistently uh, in a deep depression after the passing of his wife in January of 1847. And he strikes up this short-lived relationship with a woman named Saren Hel Helen Whitman, who was also a poet. But it really fails because of Poe's, uh, really his depression and his alcoholism at the time, and his behavior. Now, Whitman's mother may have had a large impact on the failure of this relationship as well, it is rumored. After this fails, Poe really strikes up his relationship with someone we had talked about earlier, and that is with his uh, old uh, childhood sweetheart, Sarah Elmira Royster whose family had previously objected to the relationship. Now, before we really get into Poe's death, I think we need to get more into Poe's state of mind during this period of time, uh, right up until he begins this new relationship. Uh, it's really uh, rumored, it's reported that Poe would spend the evenings with uh, his wife. Uh, he would go to her grave and he would uh, sit and talk to her. Um, Poe is horribly and deeply depressed. Uh, he's going through manic episodes. He's drinking heavily. But when he begins this relationship with Sarah, things seem to be turning around for this short period of time. Now on September 27, 1849, Poe sets out from a journey from Richmond, Virginia, home to New York City, and boards a train. He's not seen for a week and is later found in Baltimore, Maryland, delirious and really passed out in a gutter. He's found half-conscious by Joseph Walker, who sends a letter to uh, acquaintance of Poe named Dr. Joseph E. Stodgrass. This letter says, Dear Sir, there is a gentleman rather worse for the wear at Ryan's Fourth Ward, Poles, who goes under the cognomen Egner A. Poe and appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you, and I assure you he is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Joseph Walker. Stodgrass later describes that Poe was found in clothes that weren't his own and was apparently deeply intoxicated. Poe was taken to the Washington College Hospital there in Baltimore where he is kept in a room with bars across the windows and visitors were denied from him. Uh, this room in the hospital is commonly used for those uh, who are deeply intoxicated. Now, in the nights before his death, Poe is reportedly calling out the name Reynolds multiple times uh, in between losing consciousness. The doctor attending him there at the hospital claims later that he wasn't so much calling out Reynolds but as calling out for Herring, and that is a Mrs. Herring that had visited him in the days before his death. This doesn't really add up since visitors were barred from seeing him. Uh, which would have been common during the times. Edgar Allan Poe does die on October 7th, 1849. His last words were reported to say, Lord, have mercy on my poor soul. 
When we come back, we will discuss the cause of death and the mysteries that surround it. Welcome back to the show after that brief interlude. As you've noticed throughout the show, there's a bit more of uh, creepy sound effects and things uh, such as that. And that's sort of to keep up with the theme of uh, when these episodes are coming out, it'll be October. Um, and to kind of keep with the spooky season Halloween theme, uh, we're adding a bit more of a uh, creepy flavor to it. Now, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's cause of death, uh, as we were mentioning before, uh, it really becomes a hot debate uh, really since the moment he dies in October 7th, 1849. And many theories have been put forth, creating one of the great American mysteries. Unfortunately, Poe's death certificate was lost, or never existed, and theories to his death range from hyperglycemia, to a conspiracy to commit murder, to another theory, and that is that Poe tried to commit suicide. Now in 1848, Poe does almost die from an overdose of painkillers. A 2020 psychological analysis theorized that Poe was experiencing a massive depressive episode based on the language he had used at this time. Now, Dr. Snodgrask, who you remember was the one that was called to uh, assist Poe out of the gutters in Baltimore, popularized the belief that Poe had died of alcoholism. Snodgrass, it will be noted, was a big supporter of the temperance movement growing across the United States at this time, and really began to use Edgar Allan Poe as a useful example for this movement. Now, as I had said, Poe had dealt with alcoholism all throughout his life. However, I had also, if you remember from before, we had talked about how Poe's life was really starting to change around by this time. And uh, a good example of that is he had joined Sons of Temperance by the time he had died, which is really a group against alcohol. Now, Poe's own drinking partner, Thomas Reed, claimed that while Poe did drink frequently, he never went beyond what a normal person does from time to time, and that is to go completely off the deep end. Now, all this together does put into doubt that Poe's drinking is what killed him. Other theories range from diabetes to a tumor to cholera. Now, this cholera example is an interesting one, as Poe does pass through, uh, I believe, Philadelphia during a cholera episode and writes home to his uh, aunt slash mother-in-law to uh, let her know that he may have come in contact with it or some other disease. Uh, Poe does recuperate from this and goes on the rest of his journey there, but he does come in contact with the disease. Now in 2006, Poe's hair was tested and a, and a high level of lead and mercury was found, higher than for someone in this time period and location. As uh, some of you might know, throughout time, uh, the levels of lead and mercury uh, go down the further along you get in time. Uh, now, Poe's, uh, this is a popular opinion that's kind of uh, sort of advertised in uh, the Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia, which is a wonderful museum, and I highly recommend you check it out if you have a chance to, to do that. But they have an actual sign uh next to what I believe is his trunk uh, that he takes with him. Um, 
detailing how this uh, sort of analysis of his hair had come up with this. Now, uh, to sort of get back to this, now Poe's funeral was small and simple, and it wasn't heavily attended. However, a few years later, Poe was uh, moved from his original burial spot and a new ceremony was held. Various poets and writers were invited, but the only one that showed up was Walt Whitman. And perhaps one of the oddest stories of, of this entire episode. In 1864, all of the headstones in the cemetery, except for Poe's, had been turned to the opposite direction. Because of this, there was a lot of issues trying to exhume Poe's body, and at first they actually exhumed someone else, which is a 19-year-old Maryland man. Uh, they did eventually get to Poe and were able to have this small ceremony with, Walter Whit with Walt Whitman in attendance. Now, Poe's life was filled with the unsettling and the depressing. He constantly dealt with alcoholism and deep depression in his whole life, and tuberculosis clearly played a major impact not only on him but on the rest of the world. His story fits in so well with the theme of October and Halloween. And just as a little uh, side story, uh, I spent some time in the Poe house in Richmond, Virginia, and... As I was walking through with the group of people I was with, uh, most of them are noticing the various things in Poe's life, uh, how he loved cats, uh, and how they roam the place. Uh, but the one thing that I noticed was when we walked into a room and I saw a giant, what appeared to be a mantle place for a fire, uh, fireplace, a mantle for a fireplace, uh, and, you know, being a curious one, I walk over to the mantle, and lo and behold, the mantle had been donated by a certain actor at the time of Poe's life. And that actor was none other than the brother of John Wilkes Booth, Edwin Booth. Uh, leave it to me to find the most Lincoln thing I can in the house. Now, with all that being said, uh, it's time to announce what our next episode is in the spooky, haunted topics of October. And the next episode is, I think, very fascinating. Uh, it's been covered by a few people, but it's a very uh, cool story. has a bit of uh, legend to it and a little bit of truth behind it. And that is the story of Lavina Fisher. Uh, stay tuned for that episode. It will be debuting on October 21st, at, uh, which is a Wednesday. And as usual, it will be going up at 1 o'clock on that day. And as for signing off for this episode, uh, I think the best way to say it would be nevermore.